welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. It is uh, 7.17. Actually, I've been in the program for a little over seven years. <laughs> so it took me a moment to figure out that I mean, well, if I'm in a program, I probably should start working it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But anyway, one good thing about that is that even when I had my relapses and even when I had my slips, I took those as a stepping stone to learn from them rather than just falling back into that whole shame and spiral down and not learn what happened, how it, what led to it and what happened. How can I avoid it in the future? How can I recognize the signs when this happens again? But before I move on with that, I kind of want to give you at least a glimpse. Now, I'm not going to go through my entire acting out career. And we all have our little journal of stories. But I want to highlight the three significant um, occurrences in my life that contributed to my addiction. Kind of explaining what happened, what I've learned from it, and how I can now tackle that. I had to do a lot of unlearning. And so I am also from Poland. How lucky you are. Two Polish speakers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not in Poland anymore, but I do. I did grow up in the pre-freedom, free world, communist Poland. And so I have stories I can tell you a whole another day, and we can sit for hours and talk about that. Um, but it was definitely a very different world, and I definitely don't want to go back to that, and I don't want to see this happening in this country. This is an amazing country. I love America. I'm now a U.S. citizen, and I will... But my, my journey began when I was about four years old. And um, I was introduced to sex through my very, well, my brother. There's no way around it. Um, so he, my brother and my father actually qualified me for an SNN. However, I don't really feel called to be in the SNN meetings. I definitely feel at home when I'm in the, in the essay, but the qualification is there. So who knows? Maybe one day I'll grow up to it and I'll show up. Uh, right now, I don't feel the need for it. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with it. But... What this taught me was at four years, it happened a few times. I was molested by my brother, and I just couldn't understand what happened. There's incredible confusion, not knowing how to process this, who to share with, how to tell anyone. So basically, at four years, I started to learn the secrets and how to keep them for myself and not sharing and not looking for help from anybody. So even my parents, when I would think to want to go and tell them, well, I can't because I love my brother so much and I love my family and we are, had such a close bond. I couldn't share that with, with anybody. So moving fast forward um, to about early 20s, I graduated from college in Poland um, with, with pretty good education. I came over here the very next day as a reward to basically graduating with great grades and getting a degree. Just come over. 
So I came and I fell in love with the country. I'm like, oh my God, this is my new home. <laughs> this is it. But I met in one of my trips in Europe, I met a guy who was very exotic and amazing. He was from Florida. <laughs> Anywhere there are palm trees, it's exotic and unique. You know what I mean? So, we didn't even have oranges in my country. So I'm like, what do I know? <laughs> so he convinced me that probably the best way to start life in America would be to move in with him. Because again, what's the better choice? Either go, you know, meet somebody, get married, and that, that or just, just jump in into the relationship. Move it, right? <laughs> so that's what I decided to do because I knew better. Usually that kind of motivation really gets me in the travel. So anyway, I did that. And within 12 hours of that decision, he locked me up in the house. And basically, I'm not going to go into all the details, but he sexually abused me every day for about a year. Um, so I was basically in a domestic imprisonment. And the only time that I could go outside was when we had this little, like a, but this is the size of the stage, um, backyard with a really tall hedge. And I could look up in the sky and see the sky and birds. Oh, it was not going to get emotional. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there was a lot of therapy work, work done, so I should not be crying, but I'm, I'm okay. Um, and I remember the things that he would say to me, and it was just always so demeaning, but it was all through the words of love. That he loves me, that he's my boyfriend. We are in a great relationship. And... You know, just don't tell anybody. So it was the secrecy and this all through the words of love. I was so confused again, thinking this is love. So whether it hurts or I don't want to do anything, whether there's emotional, physical pain, I have to overlook it because it's love. So what that taught me is, again, going back and just kind of looking for something that I can feel good about, but some sort of validation as a woman. Learn from this basically that as a woman, all I can do is just give my body and that will be the sign of love that I can somehow show it and I will also receive that. But I did not get it. It was always just physical, always painful, always just forceful. And there was no escape from it until one day when I decided to pack up my bags and when he left for work, I left the house. And the power of a sociopath is so incredible that it's so hard to explain unless you've lived through it. But the fear was so great that he would leave the door wide open. I would not walk out the door because I was so scared for my life. So one day I was finally ready because enough was enough. And I remember a moment, a few moments that I heard God's voice. And for all of those of you who are spiritual, you know what I'm talking about. You hear the voice so clearly. And you always say, you are so much better than this. You're worth so much more. And so I finally believed it, and I finally did something about it, moved out. Not going to dwell on this anymore. You guys got the picture. But about eight years ago or so, I was washing dishes in my house. And about 11.30 at night, I was just before going to bed, all of a sudden, I feel this insane pain in my head. Like somebody's pouring hot water and it's dripping down my face and I slid down the cabinet and I fell on the ground at a brain aneurysm that burst and I couldn't even make a sound because any kind of muscle infection would cause excruciating pain. My husband ran into the kitchen because he was expecting me to show up in the bedroom 
and he sees me on the floor. And I remember hearing him on the phone with his dad saying that I'm so scared, dad, I'm so scared. And I just thinking, again, me being mom and wife, I don't want to leave him alone. What can I do? Me being here paralyzed on the floor, not being able to move the muscle, what can I do to save him? And I couldn't. And so next thing I remember is blackout, complete blackout. Five minutes later, maybe in an hour, maybe three hours, I don't know. I'm in an ambulance and everything rattling. And again, blackout, darkness. Next thing that I, when I woke up, was in a hospital after surgery a few days later and not being able to open my eyes. Lots of pain, excruciating pain. It's, I cannot even explain. Um, but I've been in ICU for a little over a month. My husband by my bedside every single day. He worked from my from my room and he was amazing. So these are the three big events that happened in my life. It took me about two years to recover from their aneurysm, uh, meaning even if I would be standing here, nothing happening, all of a sudden I lose control and I start falling. It's incredible what happens to brain trauma. And one other thing that I also learned through recovery that when you have a significant trauma to your brain, that you lose all the dopamine possible. There's no dopamine. So that explained me searching for something to feel good and feel better. So being in bed again for two years, phone was the best device that I could even use. And so I found my addiction. And it was like, where have you been my whole life? I discovered this drug that was seeping in little by little, and it was perfect. Like I needed that flavor. Oh, it was so sweet. And so I found a lot of acting out partners online. Sorry for using the word partners. My <laughs> 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 qualifiers. I actually loved it. I will change my language. So my efforts to change the language. Um, I loved a lot of them, and I was really good at war games, so of course that's like a breeding ground for men. It was perfect for me. Oh, found so many of them, and of course I started acting out outside my marriage and meeting people in person. And I remember one time I got so scared because I realized that I'm in a hotel with a guy that I just met the other day, and nobody knows who I am. Where's my phone? Nothing. So I'm thinking, if he killed me, nobody would have known. And that scared me. Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> so my husband found out. He discovered me probably about one, one too many times. I don't even know how many. And eventually, I ended up in SA. And so through SA, I came here and I decided that this is not for me because I don't have a problem. <laughs> Let's face it. I'm not in a trench coat. I'm not hiding somewhere in the dark. I <laughs> And then I started hearing men sharing, and I'm like, oh my God, how is it possible that a man sharing his experience that is supposed to be that men's disease, all of a sudden I can relate to everything he's saying, all the emotions before, during, and after of his acting out are exactly almost mirror image to mine. How is that possible? And it, the more I came to meetings and wanted to meet more and more people with similar stories, I realized, hmm. Sorry to be crass, but I think the only thing that, that makes us different is pretty much just that our gender and our sex. That's about it. Everything else is identical. Stories might be different, but all the feelings that come with it are absolutely the same. And that was an eye-opener for me. Again, I had an incredible paradigm shift in my core belief about men. 
Because I always thought and believed, again, through all my experiences, that men are just wanting one thing, just have sex. That's it. Just use me and use my body, not even my hands. Like, even, even give me the impression that if they listen to me and get me in bed, somehow they'll care about me. That was my image. And all of a sudden, I see men and children that are talking about wanting to have families and children and white picket fence houses. Like, what? Men with white picket fence houses. What did you say? I'll buy that. But it was amazing to hear this. Like, this is not the image of a man that I've had that I grew up with, that I was groomed to believe. All of a sudden, I see them so differently, and I see them as children of God. Like, we're all children of God. And it was an epiphany that I will never forget because all of a sudden, I don't see men as they want only one thing. Everybody has a very different story, but everybody at the same time is unique. And yes, we have experiences that build us or made us who we are today. But at the same time, there's something that I can do about it to change my past in some way. Maybe the thinking, not necessarily the past, because that's happened already. I have no power over the past. I have no power over the future. I only can do something about that. What can I do right now? What can I do about my thinking? So I have to be honest with you. Right before the meeting, all morning, I'm stressed out. I have a massive headache. I want to vomit all over the floor here. Sorry. I'm so bad. Like, why? I have spoken so many times in so many conferences, marathons, meetings. I have no problem talking to people. I love talking to people. I love public speaking. All of a sudden, this incredible fear overcomes me. I call my sponsor. Sure enough, he did not answer. I cannot rely on another human being. And it's with my power, high power, higher power taught me that I cannot rely on another human being. I have to rely only on him. He speaks to me through people, and he shows up in the form of people who are lending their hand. But I have to rely on him. I have to come to him, check things in, talk to him, get angry at him. But he is my higher power, truly my strength. So I've learned also that knowledge, like somebody, one of the speakers mentioned, and it was so good, knowledge is power, and I agree with that. But she often, she also said that not using that knowledge is useless. You've got to use that knowledge somehow, put it in action for it to have any kind of bearing. And that I've learned. I can learn all kinds of books. I can go to meetings and hear amazing speakers, like all of those before me, which also paralyzed me. Like, what am I going to say that didn't already? You all were amazing. And so I can hear all these things, but unless I put them into action, nothing happens. And I lose. Like, why did I invest all these hours of time into going to these meetings or reading those books if I'm not going to do something about it? So that was a big part for me to really start acting on something that I've learned because I'm just, I'm a massive procrastinator. Surprise, I'm an addict. I love procrastinating things. But also I have to say a word to Asanons. I've never spoken to Asanons before and I think that's probably the major part of my fear today. This is the first time I'm speaking in front of all of you and I, I still feel the paralysis. But somebody mentioned whom I love already very much, ready for the meaning. Just remember they're not very different from us. Thank you. So thank you to Asanons for teaching me about boundaries. If it wasn't for my husband, I would have no clue what the hell boundaries are. Like I would have to go, go into the dictionary and boundaries. <laughs> All right, now I kind of know what the boundaries are. Two things that I've learned about boundaries. One, 
boundaries, if I don't feel comfortable at something, even if I have no idea what that is, something is bothering me, some sort of boundary is being broken, and I have to figure out what that is. And number two, boundaries have consequences. And very quick, quick story, but to tell you how much I appreciate boundaries now, because I always thought they were to punish me. <laughs> they're not to punish me, they're to protect the other person. But my husband and I have one of the boundaries is that if I have something to disclose to him, that within 12 hours, I have to tell him that, uh, excuse me, 24 hours. And so I was in this weight loss program. Yes, because I have poor body image right now, so forgive me. But yes, I was there. And at some point, they're leading us and saying, okay, so now we're going to introduce this whole you know, group chat to it. And one of my boundaries is no chats, no chat programs, because that was my, one of my biggest acting out platforms. And sure enough, they're introducing this whole, oh, now you're part of the group. Everybody's going to be supporting each other. Yay. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Wait a minute. Chat. Okay, do it. So I go to my husband and tell him, you know, honey, just want to let you know this is happening. You know, I love my program so far. It's great. But here's this little chat that they're adding. And it's this is a group of people who are on the same journey as I am. And we're going to support each other. It's going to be just great. Just wonderful. When did you find out about it? 48 hours ago. Is that okay? What's the, what's the consequence for breaking the boundary? How much? <laughs> Sorry again, I tend to have that. Uh, I ended up sleeping on the couch for a month. That was basically our about. That was a consequence. Either move out of the house or sleep on the couch. It was broken boundary. Had to be seen. I know you're looking at it like, what? That doesn't fit the crime. Yes, it did fit for him because I made a promise that it will be within 24 hours and I didn't. So I, if I went and acted out and I told him 48 hours later, it would be the same if I basically just did that. And no, it's insignificant. And I was angry and I felt resentful. I'm like, I just didn't tell you early enough, but that's not a big deal. Like, what the heck? A month on the couch taught me to pray for my husband every single day. He <laughs> had a bed. I was like an awesome mattress and here I am with a bad back on the couch. But I will never do it again. <laughs> 24 hours it is. That's our boundary. And I have to respect it. And yes, even though I was really angry, thank you, going into this, I did realize that it is so important to protect him for his own safety, but also for me to be accountable. So I need to keep moving a little faster. I, I think as you can see, I can talk for hours. But the tools that I have today that are you know, used all the time, our journaling, meetings, sponsor, and prayer, and not in any particular order. They're all kind of mushed in together as much as I can. Journal has saved my life, actually, from even going back and back into the addiction again. Because I remember having this insatiable desire one day to call that person. And I was just flipping through the, the sort of journal just to find some sort of inspiration. And sure enough, I opened that moment, I opened on the page. And had an entry of the last day of my acting out, describing exactly how, what I went through with this particular person and how it made me feel. And I gotta tell you, I did not need anything else besides that. The feeling came back up, the hatred, the shame, the nastiness of it. I literally pushed away, like, nope, not doing that. I lost all the romance, all the sexiness. Nothing was left. I'm like, mm -mm, not worth it. So, journal for me is a huge, huge tool that I use all the time. Uh, meetings, and there's no question. I mean, if I if my program is struggling in any way, I increase my program. Simple as that. 
But if I don't feel like doing something, I've got to do it because I don't feel like it. So I go and do it. Uh, even though I kind of wanted the last minute, say, ah, I can't do it. I cannot talk today. But I know we needed to have a speaker, so I'm speaking. Anyway, so prayer <laughs> goes with a question. Sponsor, same thing. I right before the meeting, I called my sponsor, as you all know, and then she didn't answer. But having been able to check it in, even though being a voicemail was so helpful. So, um, and of course, with my husband as well, because he's the asinor. Um, but I also learned that vulnerability, humility, and courage cannot exist without the other. I have to be, I have to have humility in order to be vulnerable, and I have to have the courage to be vulnerable and to be, and to be humble. So all these definitely are, are playing a big role. Um, and then another thing I wanted to tell you, what how I work my program also, if I have a, if I have a um, thought, the first thought I am not responsible for because it just comes. I'm a human. Thoughts will show up. But the second thought, I'm responsible for that. What I do, do I linger or do I move on? Do I do I turn away from it? What, what is the next step? My first emotion is always, again, the first emotion, human. But the second emotion is my craving, my demand for that second emotion. I want something more if I continue with that trigger. So there's like two more pages and I cannot read them to you. So maybe for next year, I can save some of this time. But Roy has said, I had to die in order to live. And oh my God, this could not be more true for me. I literally had to, I very often just die to my pride, to my wanting to control and to everything that I, I wanted as an addict in order to live and in order for my marriage to live. So how is it important really? Very important. I, I, we all, I know every speaker has said that, but a lot of times I just have to look into the my motive of what is it that I want at that particular moment. Do I want to win the battle because of what? Is it going to benefit me and my husband or me or just him or somebody else? Or is it just my ego? So I know the halt, everybody knows halt, but I actually go into the broader spectrum of it is bladder, which is bothered angry, excuse me, bothered, lonely, angry, tired, hungry, egotistical, and resentful. <laughs> so with that, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, our next speaker is a lady from Missouri. I got to know, okay, oh man, I got some great stories here. I got a great story. Um, so when I first got into Essendon, St. Louis side of, uh, of the state said, we want to have the Essendon, uh, or kind of strike that, the uh, international convention. And they were asking volunteers at the uh, at our Midwest uh, regional conference. And I said, you know, I'd be happy to volunteer for this. I've been in, I don't know, maybe six months ago. I haven't been in very long. Totally not sober, I can tell you that, guys. And so I thought, okay, so I'm going to ask people that have a lot of experience, strength, and hope. So I asked Kathleen. I asked 
uh, Pam from Kansas City. I asked from Connie from Texas, uh, Mary from St. Louis. And, um, you know, so I asked these guys that had many, many, many years of experience uh, in putting on conventions in the, in, uh, the international conventions. And I remember you know, going through that first year or two. And I'm going to be honest, I, I was a chairperson, but I was checked out. You know, it's difficult. So it's so, and you know what, I've actually been able to experience that with other people jumping on. They want to volunteer, be service. It's such a journey that they're going through. It's hard to be of service to an extent. Well, anyway, young, young Kathleen here and several others really saved the day for me. And they were such a big asset. And she's been in many positions in the uh, SNN in the World Service Office. And uh, let's give her a big round of applause for coming. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Kathleen. I'm a grateful member of SNN. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Um, I uh, thank you very much, Kevin, um, for the introduction. Um, I am. Uh, just give you a little bit about what happened, but I'm a very literal person. So when he said, I want you to talk about how important is it, I have a, you know, I don't have like a 10 page list of what's important, but I do have a little list of this is what's important um, to me or hovering in my life. Um, and I'm um, going to read a little bit out of the book too, some highlights. So I found myself um, in an ethanol room in March of 2006. I was in my second marriage. And I knew something was very, very wrong. I had no idea what it was. Um, I did not know that sexaholism was a disease. I, I very much knew about alcoholism um, from family of origin. Um, my family was not open to me sharing about some of the things that were happening in my marriage. My friends were not open hearing me talk about some of the things that were happening in my marriage when I would bring them up with my spouse at the time what I would hear was this is normal this is normal um and I believe that it was normal I believe that you know it, uh, my spouse loved me and had my will and my interests you know in his best thoughts and efforts I still believe that to be true what I didn't know was that at that time, uh, that uh, individual human being was not capable of that. It might have been wanted and thought of, but the actions were not there. Um, I've learned so much on my journey of coming to Esalen. It's too much to talk to you guys about, but there's a few uh, things in particular that I want to highlight. Um, I Esalen helped me um, to realize. I've been affected by the sexual behavior of other individuals, plural, um, since the age of four. Um, there was a particular, you know, abuse that occurred from about four to twelve, and then there was another. Um, there were then there were multiple incidences throughout, um, you know, my teen years. Um, then there was me being attracted to 
people that would treat me in a manner um, similar to how I was treated starting at the age of four. There's a little blurb in the Antonin Blue Book in um, one of the steps that talks about some of us were groomed. I believe that I fall into that category. I did not understand why I continued to attract the same type of person and not just one gender, multiple genders, same type of person. Um, I thought that, um, you know, I was so thoughtful and I was so kind and that that would garner me, you know, light and, um, you know, Again, one of the things that I discovered as a result of doing the work on myself is um, I had the SNM problem. The very first meeting that I went to, when I heard the SNM problem, I started bawling. It was a combination of, oh my God, I think I found a solution. And oh my God, I had to go to this program. <laughs> um, I have to work this, but yes, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, I identify completely with the SNR problem. And so my recovery um, in SNR began when I am here to heal my SNR problem. Um, what do the effects of, um, you know, on me of, of another person's sexual behavior? Innumerous, too many to go into. It just takes too much time. Um, so there was the childhood stuff. There was um, multiple uh, boyfriends or um, encounters um, without my permission. Then there were um, some girlfriends um, that weren't of a, well, let's just say I, I was alarmed and astounded by some of the behavior of girlfriends that weren't in my general direction. But I just continued to find myself. Um, in this world that I didn't understand how I got there. It brought me so much anxiety and pain and trauma. Um, first marriage, there's um, one child in my first marriage. And um, the, the incidents that led to the end of that was a reoccurrence of waking up in the middle of the night with my spouse on top of me. It happened so many times, but just one, one night I said enough. And um, and that was um, that was the beginning of some memories for me um, that I sought outside help for. And amazing, wonderful. Um, these were things that I could not do on my own. Um, um, it, that marriage did end in divorce, and um, recovery was not sought. And I had not found this man yet. Um, so it was the second marriage. Um, another, um, so I had I had a child, and my second spouse had a child, and then we had one. So there's three, there's three kiddos now, and it it the things that were occurring were completely different than anything that I had experienced before. It was like um, okay, again, I don't know what sexualism was, but I just had no. Um, I don't know. I just felt so naive. I felt like I lived in a fantasy world, um, and um, and I put my faith and trust in unfaithful and untrustworthy people. Um, so the ethanol problem was red, and um, and it absolutely it changed my life. It impacted me deeply. 
And um, I sought out, so it was a brand new meeting in the area that I live in. It was like maybe two or three months old. So there wasn't anybody able to sponsor. So I sought sponsorship outside of the city that I live in. Um, so I had long distance sponsorship my entire recovery in asthma, and um, it works. You know, it's uh, I know for some it's not ideal, but for me it has worked. I, higher power has given me what I have needed, um, and I went on to continue to focus on myself. How important is it? Focus on myself. My SNN recovery program became very important. I rearranged and shifted. Um, you know, my life so I could make that meeting once a week. Um, got a sponsor, started to work with steps, um, and carved time out for that. And I will tell you that um, I did not realize the effects that that would have on my family. They were used to me doing, 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 giving, giving, giving. And so now I'm starting to take a little bit of time for myself. I'm somebody who's working two jobs. I'm flying home. I don't even use the restroom before I start making dinner because everybody's at home going, what's for dinner, what's for dinner, what's for dinner? So um, everybody else's needs is placed before mine, everyone. I am last. I am so last because I'm not worthwhile and I'm not lovable. But if I do this for you, maybe you'll love me. Maybe you'll like me. Maybe you'll need me. And if I'm needed, then I'm worthwhile. So that is... The mindset and the premise and the belief system that causes me to act the way that I do. And S9 gave me that gift of awareness along with the higher power of my understanding. I'm so grateful for that. And, and I say the S9 problem is what I am recovering from because on a daily basis, I can go right back there. If I do not practice these principles and all of my affairs, invite my higher power into my day every single day, sometimes 10 times a day. Um, my first um, child, after my second marriage ended, um, the behavior of my first child, uh, who was 17 at the time, started to bubble up. So I had no idea that this was going on. Um, and... Um, I did ask that um, child to come home. There were two younger children, and it did involve um, a rotating door, a revolving door, door of young ladies coming in and out at all hours of the day, and images on um, devices, movies that were on the TV. So, you know, when there's multiple children in the house, it's so hard to find something that we all like, but when there's something completely inappropriate that pops up. It's devastating. It's just devastating. So I then came, you know, my SNR problem then was activated by um, some choices by my then 17-year-old son. And it just triggered the fear. Oh, my God. You know, um, I mean, I don't wish, um, I don't wish this on anybody. Um, I and understand how I was, um, you know, um, attracted to um, a number of um, those that, that uh, make me these choices. But when it hits a child, it is a completely different level of surrender. It is a completely different level of understanding. Um, I'll fast forward to say that um, that individual is uh, 
doing fabulous and fantastic, but, it, but asking him to leave absolutely um, damaged our relationship. And it has taken a number of years for that to recover, but it has recovered. Um, and again, it's going to be, you know, um, focusing on self-boundary was mentioned there, you know, there were, um, there were just some things in the home after having um, lived with uh, some of the things that were occurring in the second marriage that it was, it was a deal breaker for me. You know, the bottom line is it's just a deal breaker. It doesn't matter if I'm in a romantic relationship with you or if you're running your, my children. It's a, it's a deal breaker. Um, this is what loving myself and caring for myself and putting myself first was looking like. And it was messy. It's still messy. It was uncomfortable. It still can be. And for the people that were accustomed to me being a certain way and acting a certain way, it was so confusing for them. And I get that, and I acknowledge that. Um, but it's very, it is important. Um, and I have, um, I, the youngest is 18, and um, while I am not affected by the older child, it is now the younger. And, um, and we're taking that one day at a time. Um, one day at a time. So this is the literature. I just want to plug the literature. I love the ethnon literature. It grounds me. It calms me. The higher power of my understanding is in this literature. Every time I read it, I connect, I relate, and I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, the relationship with my higher power is the most really important relationship that is in my life today. I spend time every single day on that relationship. Um, it, the God of my understanding is nurturing, loving, and caring. Loves me so much. So much that has brought really hard, difficult revelations to me. Um, that I, as a you know, a human being, I have a choice. I can choose to look at it, work on it, heal through it, feel it, or I can choose to ignore it, deny it. Not today. No, thank you. Not doing that. You know, and I I will have some of those days sometimes. Not today. I just can't. I just don't have the bandwidth. I'm not, I just I'm. You know, um, I, I am, you know, fill in the blank with feelings and I don't have the energy for it. Um, steps uh, are amazing. They are super important. All of our legacies. So how important is it? So focus on self, work on myself. Steps, working the steps with another person. It's already been mentioned. This is a e program. This is not an I program. Um, if I don't have a... Um, Sponsor that I'm calling every day. I have shared my step work um, when needed with someone, just another person. So um, there is no formula necessarily. Um, these are all suggestions. They are not absolutes. These are spiritual tools. We can choose to pick them up or we can choose not to pick them up. When I choose to pick them up, my life is better. When I choose not to pick them up, I stay stuck in my own insanity and my own misery, my own ethnic problem. Um, traditions have also been mentioned after working the seven with the traditions um, with my sponsor, and then the concepts of service. And Kevin mentioned I have been in service. Service has been an absolutely tremendous gift. Um, because it gets me outside of myself. It helps me give away what I have been given. 
And I am able to work with men and women without knowing their story. We're just there for a common purpose. And that is to be of service. And it, it, it helped me have compassion and understanding for everyone around me. Service has been a tremendous gift and I still choose to serve. Um, sponsorship, all kinds of sponsorship. Sponsorship to help me through the steps. Sponsorship that helped me through my um, just my daily download call. Service sponsorship. Um, that is something I have picked up as a result of doing service, you know, above the group level. Um, it could be somebody just asking somebody, how did you do this? Is there an explanation of this position? Or I'm struggling with another personality and I need a gut check help on on something. Um, meetings have been mentioned. What an incredible tool meetings are. Very important. Um, accountability to others and to my higher power. That is very, very, very important to me. Um, I can isolate. I can talk myself into not needing to pick up the phone. Oh, nobody has time for me. Oh, this is really stupid, what I'm thinking about right now, and I don't need to share it. And so for me, that is, you know, my, that is part of my not worthwhile and not lovable, right? I'm not worthy of, you know, five minutes somebody's time like i'm assuming that you know that they are not going to pick up right i don't even give them a choice i've already made this for them um h-o-w um, honesty open-mindedness and willingness um all three e elements um in order for me to work is successful with the program um one of the things that um i have struggled with since I've been in Esalen, is accepting my process, and what I mean by that is, um, I, I thank you to all the speakers who have shared so far. It's been phenomenal. Thank you to everyone who's done service um, here today to put this on. So I will still listen to what you have to say and go, "Oh, that's amazing. How can I not do it that way?" Well, I don't. I have my own process. As between me and the you know higher power of my understanding, but I'll still go there in my you know brain, and um, so it's it, it of my process. Um, that was something that um, I still work on, but it, it was very challenging, um, very challenging when I began my recovery. And my spouse did not, and. Um, uh, I have um, walked this Asanam path um, um, without that uh, supportive partnership. It turned into um, a, a wall that just could not go down. Um, the um, that I just want to say briefly that um, that second marriage did end, um, but. What I learned was I, and I had to really work hard on this. I was unable to accept living with active. I just couldn't do it. And I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, but what I came to believe in is, again, I am worthwhile and I am lovable. And it's okay if I don't want to live with active alcoholism. It's okay. And it's okay if those children aren't raised in active sexaholism. Um, but because of my work and because of focusing on myself, um, we were able to have a uh, co-parenting 
relationship and friendship. This was someone who um, was still a part of our life, part time relationship. Uh, so regularly, we were cheerleaders for all of the kids. We were, you know, and um, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that time. Um, he passed away just a year ago. Um, and um, and I um. It is another life lesson. It is another opportunity for me to learn and to grow. Everything that comes my way, I have, right? I can either see it as, um, oh, God, poor me, poor me, or, God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for growth. Um, the most important thing for me today is being teachable and willing to continue to grow spiritually. There's so much more I want to tell you, but there's just not enough time. The last thing I want to touch on is forgiveness. Um, in 2015, I found myself at an Aznan retreat in the Chicago um, area, Midwest Regional Retreat. I mean, the thoughts of hurting myself. What was behind it was I was unwilling to forgive a handful, half a dozen or so of people that had harmed me greatly. And that unwillingness to forgive was eating me alive. And I didn't know it. I honestly didn't know it. When I went to that retreat, I was having trouble breathing. It was like I'm having physical manifestations of it. And um, and I I went to the meetings. I talked to people afterwards. And what I ended up doing was going back to my room and getting down on my knees and asking my higher power, what is it? What is it? I'm willing. What is it? And forgiveness. Forgiveness is what I heard. So then I spent the rest of that weekend writing letters to every person and released them of the harm. And I read those letters out loud, every one of them, to, again, my sponsor wasn't there, but I picked someone at that retreat to read those letters to and cry. And I had this belief that if I forgive them, it means what they did was okay. And that was a false belief. The forgiveness is what set me free. Is what set me free. And um, it's so important. Um, so I'm, I'm going to circle back around to the forgiveness because after my um, second spouse passed away, I got angry. I got resentful. Um, it just brought this stuff up that I did not know was there. My SNOM recovery program has never been, you know, uh, this little package and a cute little bow all tied up in meat. It has been messy from day one, and I expect it to continue to be messy. So I found myself doing the steps again and writing four stuff inventory on my anger and my resentment and, and um, you know, everything that came up for me um, that I had not forgiven my second husband at a deeper level. I feel that I was you know, I had accepted what had happened and I accepted where we were, but I had not forgiven him. So I got the opportunity to then um, forgive him very recently, um, you know, since um, I did that step work over the summer and um, and got that last kiddo off to college. And then here is me, myself and I now in the fall. And um, I, I so I took myself where I find God. I find God in the mountains, and I heard that a long time ago. Wherever you find God, go there often. I took myself to God, and then I came home, and I was ready. I was ready to do that work, and um, and it's um, 
So, so it comes in, comes in layers for me, and I don't know what my higher power is finding it. But what I do know is when I surrender my will and my life will be the care of the God of my understanding every day. It's and I'm willing to do the work, amazing things happen. And freedom from the bondage of self is released. So that's all the time I have. Thank you so much. Hey, what a couple powerhouse speakers. One more time, a big round of applause. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.